Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. Uh, Last week in our series on the Lord's Prayer that we're doing called Pray Like Jesus, we took a look at the part of the prayer where we ask God for His kingdom to come on earth, His kingdom to come and His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you've missed any of those, you can go back to... uh, you can go to our, our iTunes page, our SoundCloud page, which is the name of the church, and you can find them there. But when we talk about uh, God, pray, when we talk about His kingdom coming and His will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven, we're talking about we're asking for His kingdom to be revealed in its fullness, because the kingdom is not just a place; it's not just uh, the extension of God's rule that is coming, but it's also the relationship that we have to God through Jesus Christ. And then we talked a little bit about God's will and our will and how we are learning to obey, how we are learning to realign our will with God's will. And we look to Jesus as our great example. And then God calls us to work for the good and the transformation of the world. We have actual work to do. (laughs) We don't just sit here and become so inward focused that we lose all of our outward focus. Uh, we are meant to work for the good of the world. So in today's uh, sermon, we're going to talk today about daily bread, and it's the part of the Lord's Prayer that comes after we get to the petition now for our, our physical needs. And in Matthew 6, verse 11, Jesus says, he says, pray like this, give us today or this day our daily bread. So we're going to talk about our daily bread. When I was a teenager... I began to surreptitiously switch the TV channel over to MTV when my parents weren't looking or when they, when they weren't around or when they were in the kitchen. Now, I wasn't really banned from watching MTV, and this was back when MTV used to play music videos. Now all MTV does is have terrible reality programming on. But back in the day, they actually played music and music videos. And uh, when I was 15, I'm going to date myself here. I know I don't look old, but Phil Collins... Phil Collins and the band Genesis, they, uh, they, were, you know, they were up and down throughout the years. Phil Collins, everybody knows. Genesis, everybody knows. But they, had, they released an album, and one of the songs off this album was called Jesus, He Knows Me. And I saw the music video for Jesus, He Knows Me. And in the video, Phil Collins and uh, the, the other members of Genesis, they portray TV evangelists. They portray TV evangelists, and you see them saying, like part of the lyrics are, you know, do what I say, not what I do. And in the one scene, he's lying back on a chair surrounded by, 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 by women, and he's like, basically, it's okay for me to do this. It's not okay for you to do this. By the way, send me money. You know, you'll be blessed. And so it bothered me at the time. It really bothered me at the time. Because I was like, wow, this is awful. These people are attacking Christians. Uh, This is really, really, wow, they they shouldn't have done that. They're going to be in trouble. But in later years, I kind of started to see just how right or how accurate this, this video actually was. Because, well, when I was studying for this and preparing for this, it's funny how that popped right into my mind. I hadn't thought about that in years. 
But I remember watching that video and I went back and I watched it again and I was like, oh my gosh. And then all the puzzle pieces came together. And so the reason why I mention this is because that video highlights something sad. It, it highlights something worth noting about Christianity in America and how it's been exported to other countries. And so it highlights how Christianity can become and has become shallow by focusing on the self, by focusing on how individuals can amass large sums of money and power by preaching what people want to hear. Because at the end of the day, we could all use good health, right? I can. I don't know if you can. <laughs> I don't know. Some of you are older than me, and I know you could use some good health. I could use some good health. Some of us could use a little bit more money in our wallet, in our back pocket, or your front, whatever pocket you carry it in, right? I could use some money in my back pocket, can't you? Yeah, you can. By the way, the Spirit is saying, if you should need $10 each, you'll get 100-fold. No. We're going to talk about that actually in a second. We could all use a little bit of extra money in our bank accounts or in our retirement. Some of us, it would be nice if, if you could even have a retirement account. And so we can all use a little bit of extra money or a little bit of extra, a little bit of extra health. We wish we could upgrade an old car or an old piece of technology, an old computer, an old phone. We all wish that we could have the newest stuff. And what's happened was, is that these people on television have attached a form of Christianity to magical wish fulfillment. And what we're left with, brothers and sisters, has been what's been termed the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says, if we sow a seed, and that seed is always financial, and if we exercise enough faith, we will reap a harvest of blessing. The prosperity gospel says that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension, it means that we are entitled to experiencing good health and financial freedom. The prosperity gospel turns people's attention away from their problems by promising something it can never deliver. And people buy into it big time. And when things go wrong, they usually double down and dig deeper into it. The prosperity gospel also does something equally wicked than what I just mentioned, in that it takes the focus off of God as the one whom we love and worship and submit to, and it transforms that focus into seeing God as the one who will give us what we want. I could talk about this for, I'm not even, I'm not exaggerating. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> and some of you are like, no. You're like, you're already, you're already in your server. Please, no. I could, I could literally talk about this for hours. Uh, and maybe one day we will, but not during, not, not during the sermon. I could talk about this for a long time. And we don't have time anyway. And I want to get to the actual good stuff. But we have to start here, right? We have to start here because the prosperity gospel at the end of the day is a lie. It says if it turns God into a genie and it turns our faith into a formula, do A, do B, and you will equal C. Don't ask me to do any more equations because that's the limit of my, I'm terrible at them, right? A plus B equals C. 
And it's funny how some of these people will say, now this isn't a formula, but then they'll go ahead and they'll give you a formula. If you want God to do this for you, then you have to do this, then this, and then you'll get the money or the health or something like that. And the best way to stay away from this stuff is not to watch Christian television, honestly, right? Don't watch Christian TV and be a little bit more discerning about what you read in, in, and unfortunately, there's lots of Christian books. Whatever the best-selling Christian books are, it's usually probably the best to stay away from those, <laughs> those two. And read something by somebody who's dead. They usually have something good to say. It's funny. We, we have to start here, though, because a prayer life that begins with the self instead of God results in this, right? It results in us stretching, our, our, stretching out our arms to grab instead of holding them out to receive. There's a difference, right, between trying to snatch something and then holding out one's hands to receive. St. Paul says in Philippians 3, 18 and 19, for many of whom I have often told you, now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindsets set on earthly things. And this is what prosperity theology is, right? It keeps our minds focused on earthly things. What can I get God to do for me? What can I do that will result in God giving me A, B, or C? But the end of this theology, brothers and sisters, and the end of those who propagate this theology is destruction because they serve their belly. They serve their appetites. Now, that said... Let's get into some positive stuff, okay? Because of the rise of the prosperity gospel, I believe that a more nuanced view of God's provision has fallen away and has led to some hardcore polemics against God's provision of any kind. So we need to start by saying that prosperity gospel preachers are not wrong in a sense when they say that God will provide for us and that God wants to provide for us. They're not wrong. The problem is they've taken something that is right and turned it into something wrong. They're not wrong to say that God cares for our needs and that God desires to meet our needs and to provide for our needs. Where they go wrong is by saying that you have a right to financial blessing. That it is, as a child of God, it is owed to you. But look, let's look at some verses here. Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Matthew 6, 30 to 33, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And finally, Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what do these passages all have in common? When we look at them closely, we see that they share a common belief in God's ongoing care for the needs of his people. The Matthew passage likens God's ongoing care for creation to his ongoing care for his children. God knows what we need for our day-to-day -day lives, right? That's why he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. God 
knows what we need to survive. God knows what we need when we seek His kingdom. We talked about that last week. When we seek His will being done on earth as it is in heaven, when we do the work He's called us to do, He looks after us and He makes sure we have what we need. So not only just for ourselves, but also so we can turn and share that with others. In the passage from Philippians, St. Paul is writing to thank them for the support they gave him when he was ministering. Their generosity to him was a tremendous help to his work, seeking the advancement of God's kingdom. And St. Paul reminds them that as they gave to support him, that God will continue to provide for them. So we see a link here between our kingdom work and God's provision and God's care. God cares for us. He loves us. He will clothe us. He will feed us. He will give us what we need. So we have a clear thing here for our physical provision, right? So now we move to something else. When we see God's provision for his people, we see it has a definite physical component. As human beings, we need shelter, food, water, and a way to provide for one another. So when we ask for our daily bread, it helps focus us on, on asking for what we need as opposed to demanding what we want. It moves us away from selfishness and greed because it keeps the focus on God and not on ourselves while still acknowledging that we have legitimate needs and wants. It acknowledges our dependence on him. A theologian named J.I. Packer wrote, we are told to ask for bread as the Israelites were told to gather manna on a day-to-day basis. The Christian way is to live in constant dependence on God every day, a day at a time. However... That's not all there is to this part of the prayer. Packer here, he rightly makes a connection between the manna in the wilderness that God gave to the children of Israel on our daily bread. But Jesus identified himself as the manna from heaven in the Gospel of John. So this prayer, right, give us this day our daily bread, also ties in with Jesus himself, his broken body. So we're not just fed physically when we ask for our daily bread. We are also asking to be fed spiritually. The inner part of ourselves also needs nourishment to grow and to thrive into the image of Jesus Christ, just as we need nourishment to grow into healthy human bodies. Jesus said in John 6, 56 to 57, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as a living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. Right, So when we ask for God to give us this day our daily bread, we are saying, we are acknowledging God's ongoing love and God's ongoing care for us. We are also making sure, we're also, when we ask Him, we're, we're acknowledging that we depend upon Him, that we depend on His love and His care and His provision for us. But what we are also asking is that as He gives us our daily bread, we're not just asking for something that'll get us by and feed our physical bellies alone until the next day. We're also acknowledging that the entirety of the human person, right, our spirit, soul, and body, we need nourishment to grow, Right? And so when we partake of Christ, Jesus says in John 6, 56, we are receiving the life of God because we are abiding in Christ. He is in us and the divine energies of the Father are at work in us. Theologian named Clement, he says, today we ask for this bread, this sustenance as if it were the bread to come, the bread of the kingdom. 
And yet the bread of the kingdom is the Eucharist. What we are asking from God is that we might receive on this day every kind of bread, every form of sustenance, as if it were the Eucharist. That is communion in his body and in his presence. Right? So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are praying for our provision. Physically, we are also praying for our provision spiritually. God desires, like we heard from that reading, the blind man calling out to Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, help me see. Right? Jesus restores him. He heals him. And Jesus healing people is a picture, right? Not just of a physical act, right? Not just of restoring of, of the physical eyes to see, but also the, the restoration of the spiritual eyes to see. Because what does a blind man say to Jesus? He calls out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The blind man knows something about Jesus, even though he can't see, that people who can see, can't see. He identifies him as the son of David. He's identifying him as the Messiah. And he knows that if he asks Jesus, Jesus will provide for him. Jesus will meet his need, just as Jesus will meet your need. But it's not alone. It's not going to stop there, right? It's not just the meeting of our physical needs, but also what we need to grow spiritually, holistically, as we are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so that happens when we ask for our daily bread, that we're also being fed at the table. The Bishop Entry writes, is the Eucharist is in a sense both the highest form of prayer and the first and the most basic answer to our prayer. So when we ask the Lord to give us this day our daily bread, we experience it primarily first here when we are fed from the table, as we also experience as we trust in God's ongoing love and provision for us, for our daily, for our daily bread. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the bread from heaven, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. We have deep roots here in our community, and we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, and check us out on Facebook at Zionstone UCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.